1: Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. In 2012, I had the honor of interviewing Valerie Simpson just after she'd lost her husband of 38 years, Nick Ashford better known as the legendary songwriting duo Ashford and Simpson, they had a four-decade musical partnership that produced some of the most memorable hits ever to come out of Motown. During our emotional conversation, Valerie shared the real story behind one of their greatest songs, Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Sing along if you'd like. We all know the words. Ain't no mountain high enough Ain't no valley low enough Ain't no river wide enough to keep me from getting to you, babe. Well, most people think of these as enduring words of love, expressing the deepest form of devotion. But as we talked, Valerie told me that when Nick originally wrote the lyrics, he was referring to his goal to one day write songs professionally. At the time, Nick was an unknown musician living in New York City, hoping to be discovered. While looking up at the skyscrapers towering above him, he came up with the phrase, Ain't no mountain high enough, to convey just how determined he was that nothing was going to keep him from his dream. No wind, no rain, or winter's cold can stop me, babe, cause you are my goal. And he was right. Ain't no mountain high enough now holds a place in the Grammy Hall of Fame. I've always thought a mountain is a magnificent metaphor for life. From a distance, the ascent looks clear and smooth. But once you actually set out for the summit, you discover unexpected valleys and precarious ridges along the way. If your internal compass isn't set to keep climbing, every stumble will give you an excuse to turn back. Over the years, there have absolutely been times when I've found myself climbing a steep, rocky road. Earlier, I shared the fears I struggled with when I was invited to give the commencement address at Harvard in 2013. I know my trepidation might seem surprising given the general perception of my career. After 25 years on a number one show, I had by most standards reached the summit. However, it just so happened that when Harvard's then-president, Drew Faust, called with her once-in-a-lifetime offer, I was in the midst of one of the biggest climbs of my life. I'd even started calling this new endeavor my Kilimanjaro. And in this particular instance, it seemed the higher I hiked, the trickier the terrain. At the time, I said I was getting my butt kicked in the news over the way OWN, the Oprah Winfrey Network, was, quote, struggling, as it was often reported. It felt like everywhere I looked, critics were taking me to task for OWN's performance. One of the toughest headlines announced, Oprah Winfrey isn't quite holding her OWN. That one, I gotta tell you, stung. I'd enjoyed a long stretch at the top, and was proud to be known as a powerful businesswoman. And now it felt like every decision I made ended up on the nightly news crawl. And so when Harvard reached out, all I could think was, what can I teach about success when I've stopped succeeding? It was a frustrating time. And to be frank, I was embarrassed. At one point, while I was in the shower, I was deliberating what to do. It's not a myth that some people make their best decisions in the shower. There really is something about the warm spray and lack of distraction that helps crystallize your thoughts. And indeed, as the water cascaded down and I thought about that mountain metaphor, I decided I would immediately stop calling the experience of building my own network anything but a privilege. I mean, really. I told myself, who gets to do this? It's the honor of a lifetime. If you think about it, people all over the world dream of climbing Kilimanjaro. The words to an old hymn started playing in my head. Trouble don't last always. I got out of the shower and thought, this too shall pass, and I will be the better for it. One of my favorite lessons from Joel Osteen is, what follows I am is what we're inviting into our life. Meaning when you use phrases like, I am exhausted, or I am overwhelmed, you are inviting exactly that kind of energy into your life. The moment I shifted my perspective from I am struggling to I am honored, my climb was transformed from an arduous trek into a still challenging but now stimulating adventure. And my entire outlook changed. Ever since that time, whenever I've encountered a disruption, rather than allowing it to rattle me, I asked myself one of the most meaningful and productive questions there is. What is this here to teach me?
0: Macy's Mother's Day Gift Guide has the perfect gift to make mom feel special. Shop by price, like 25 and under to 100 and under. Category, like fragrance, handbags, and more. Or giftless, like for the mom who has everything. Gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted and for grandma. Get top gifts like Dolce & Gabbana Devotion, Eau de Parfum, Coat Floral Printed Leather Cassie Crossbody Bag and Le Cruset Shallot Dutch Oven. Shop at macy's.com slash The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, celebrating the Black experience. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts.
1: Today, OWN continues to evolve. Every day brings a new teachable moment, and I look back on each step of the journey with gratitude. The insights I hope you will embrace in this chapter reflect the knowledge I try to impart to my girls in South Africa as they consider any worthwhile pursuit. There will always be setbacks, I say. What you're experiencing is a detour. It's not the end of the road. You've got to be prepared to fail up. Most important, I teach the girls that everything that's happening to them is a means to help them evolve into who they are meant to become. Nothing is ever wasted or out of order. So when their will is being tested and all seems lost, I advise them stop, get still, and listen. Their heart will tell them the next right step. And once they figure it out, it's time to look around and ask themselves, who is standing with me in the gap? Because what I discovered long ago is that when life is treating you well, and it seems you can't go wrong, there will always be people who want to ride with you in the limo. But what you really want are the people who will take the bus with you when the limo breaks down. As you make your way up your mountains, no matter how steep the climb, remember the words of Nick Ashford. If you need me, call me, no matter where you are, no matter how far. Don't worry, baby. Just call my name. I'll be there in a hurry. You don't have to worry, because, baby, there ain't no mountain high enough. Your Kilimanjaro awaits. First up,
2: Eckhart Tolle from a higher perspective, being challenged is a good thing. Let's look at the nature of challenges. If you look at your own life or anybody's life, you may find that one way or another, what looks like obstacles to where you want to go, where you want to be, what you want to achieve, obstacles seem to arise almost continuously in the form of difficult people, difficult situations. Some people have the perception that they're being sabotaged by life all the time. People resent being challenged by life. They think challenges should not exist. But as I sometimes put it, you may find if you have lived for long enough that at some point you realize that the world isn't here to make you happy, it can't do that.
1: It's sort of like human evolution, where you say it's not linear, you take two steps forward in your own life and a step backwards. And then the further back you go, the more of a bounce
2: you have to move forward, right? We definitely have evolved in consciousness, but it does not go in a straight line upward. The evolution of consciousness happens, you regress and then you go forward a bit more. It goes in cycles. So we need the crisis, humans don't grow except through facing the challenges and crises. So there are two levels of truth. One is to see the craziness of what's happening now. And another is to see from a higher perspective, what's happening now is part of the evolution. It's the ego is coming up, is manifesting. It
1: needs to break down.
2: Yes. So
1: that something else can break through. Yes, yes, that's right. And now, Stephen Colbert. My mother used to say
3: that in hardships in your life, try to look at this moment in the light of eternity. Try to see this how God might see it, which is, we can't see it as fully as God might see this moment, this now, as opposed to the past or the future, which we can't affect in any way. But you can try to see... This present moment if it's good or bad any hardship or victory with humility with acceptance and With love so you you can't love something until
4: you can accept it.
1: That is correct. That is correct.
4: Yeah Life is a highway and on it There will be many chicken sandwiches, but there's only one McCrispie So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
3: of a detour
1: That was great. Now let's hear from President Joe Biden.
4: My mother used to say and I thought it was so cruel at one point especially when I lost my wife and daughter and we walked out of the hospital and a tractor trailer broadside them and killed him and my two sons were badly injured and she said, "Joey, grab my hand," she said. "There'er anything horrible, something good will come if you look hard enough for it." But that was my mother's notion. We were taught to, just to get up. When you get knocked on, just get up and move forward. And talk about how, you know, so many people, without the kind of help that I had, do it every day. Right today, there's somebody who's gone through something significantly worse than me, and they have nobody behind them, and they're getting up and they're moving. And it gives me such overwhelming confidence in people, the ability to absorb
5: Mm -hmm. pain
4: and the spiritual reassurance that comes
1: from knowing they're still a part of you. Would you say that that is one of the most important spiritual characteristics to have, that is to keep getting up? Absolutely,
4: absolutely. But
1: I'm not saying it's
4: easy. I have to admit to you, there have been a couple times uh, in my, uh, well, one in particular in my life where I've actually lost my faith, where I went through a period of thinking how could this be? I mean, why, you know, like the why me piece. Mm-hmm. And my dad, who was a wonderful, well-read, graceful, high school educated guy, said, Champ, where, where is it written that life owes you living, man? I know, but it doesn't make you feel any better in the moment. Well, it makes you, at least in my family, my mother thought the greatest virtue of all was courage. And because it allowed all the other virtues to exist. And from the time I was a kid, not a joke, my mother go, look at me, Joey. Mm-hmm. Look at me. Remember, you're defined by your courage. Wow. And you're redeemed by your loyalty. Look at me, Joey. And it was this notion that you could do anything because there's this notion in my faith, my family, that, that those you lose remain a part of you.
1: Now let's listen to Father Richard Rohr. I think it's interesting how you describe love or falling in love, being in love, true love, as a death of the false self.
6: It actually is. Because we all love to fall in love. Yeah. But to fall in love, you have to take the risk of changing yourself for this
1: person. And you have to let go. You have to. You have to.
6: And that's why a lot of relationships don't last, because you have to let go of who you thought you were before you loved that person. You're giving them power to change you. If you don't give your friend, your partner, power to change you, I don't think you love them. And Mm -hmm. your unconscious
1: knows that. Your soul knows that. Yeah. Once you've been able to give yourself over to that other person, does that mean you actually get to become more of your true self, who you were meant to be?
6: If that other person is growing up too, you understand? Yeah.
1: yeah. If it's mutual.
6: If it's mutual. Yeah, you got to have
1: somebody much. who wants you to grow, to grow, to your fullest self, to your fullest self, to who
6: you really are. And if you don't have that, I have seen people become smaller after marriage. But love has to expand. It always has to expand. We each create our private salvation project. What will make me wonderful? What will make me look beautiful and and be admired? Every time you have to let go of that in its present form and reshape it, it's dying. It's, darn, I based my life on that, you know? I based my life on looking good or being a priest or whatever. Or being married, and now that's falling apart. I have a friend who's
1: going through divorce, who who, and I said, you have to relearn a new normal. You have to, it, you know, Excellent. it doesn't mean it's, it's relearning a new normal. Yeah,
6: but the old normal has to fall apart. That's done. That's right. And you never go there voluntarily. You fall.
1: This is a psychological That's... dying we're talking about. Yes, yes, it will be
6: experienced psychologically. Yes. That's right. That's yeah. right. But... So,
1: so this happens to people. When you go through a divorce and then first you are fighting, fighting it, and you think it's the worst thing that could ever happen to you, yes. and then you come out the other side of it, and you feel a greater sense of freedom and closer to your true self. It
6: might take you five years to get there, but you wake up one day and say, my God, this is much better. Or you lose your job. (laughs) Yeah, lose your job or lose your your reputation or or your money or your child dies. You know, all of those immense tragedies. Yeah. That's the way the self expands. I'm sorry to say it's true, but it's true. It's all what you do with suffering. If you don't, Transform your suffering, Oprah. I always say, you will transmit it. With 100% certitude, you will transmit your suffering to your family, your neighbors, your country, yeah.
1: If you don't transform it. If you don't transform it. Rob and Kristen Bell. So what's the secret to a great marriage?
5: I think it's having that intention, that intention that is your foundation, that I am for you, and you are for me, and we're in this together. We're creating this thing together. We get to go on this adventure called life together. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, we always talk about marriage as a creative act. You're creating something new in the world. Mm -hmm. And for many people, it becomes heavy. It becomes, let's just try to stay together, duty, obligation, (laughs) as opposed to, we get to make something with this life. Mm -hmm. And the two of us get to go on an adventure and create something new. So every problem becomes not, oh my word, are we gonna make it? But, well, look what came down the road today. I wonder what this will produce. Mm -hmm. I wonder what we'll learn through this. Mm -hmm. It's like a shift in how you view life and life together.
4: Is it an adventure in which you actually get to create and co-create a life? Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Mick Crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
1: of a detour. Alanis Morissette.
5: I thought that all would be helped and healed and soothed by fame. Because
1: when I get famous, yes. then I, will... I will
5: be less lonely. Yes. And I will be understood and I will be loved. And that love will go in and heal Any of the broken parts.
1: And the truth is, there's no difference between fame or when I get thin or when I get rich or when I meet the right guy, when I get the job, when when I I get that car, when I get babies, then I will be. When I retire. When I retire, then I will be happy, I will be healed. It's the same thing. Everything will be okay. Yes. Everything will be okay.
5: Yes. As though somehow we as humans could be exempt from pain. You know, one of the big lessons I've learned over the last little while has been that if I can become comfortable with pain, which is different than suffering, yes. if I can become comfortable with pain as just an indication and it's potentially a daily thing, in my case it often is, Mm -hmm. then there won't be my living in the future all the time. That one day if and when I'll be happy.
1: Or as one of our guests said, E- learning to walk in the dark, being comfortable embracing when the dark shows up.
5: Yes, and even if I'm not comfortable doing that, yeah. I'm very uncomfortable in pain. I hate it. Yeah, we I all run do. from it with all kinds of addictive fun things, temporarily fun things, but, yeah. but at least knowing that it's a portal and that on the other side, there is this great sense of peace that goes beyond this ego development.
1: Cheryl Strayed. I love this one, too. Oh, this is so, oh, my goodness. Hello. Don't surrender all your joy for an idea you used to have about yourself that isn't true anymore mm. where did that one come from
0: well how long do we hold how on. many how long do we <laughs> hold on to on. this old idea mm-hmm. i was going to do this job or i was going to go to this school or i was going to be married to yeah. this person yeah. and it doesn't serve us anymore and you know where that came from is i was asked to write a letter to my 20 something self in my book, Tiny Beautiful Things, yes. and that's one of the things I told my younger self is that that it was okay to rewrite my story from time to time, and not only okay but necessary. Sometimes you do have to see th- things through, even though they don't cause you joy. But sometimes you need to say, you know what? I'm not going to surrender my joy. Yeah. I'm not going to be this thing anymore. I'm going to yeah. be this other
1: thing. That's this other way. That's such a more eloquent, beautiful, poetic way of saying stop holding on to the past. That's right. Yes. Tracy Jackson and Paul Williams. One of the things that Paul talks about, too, is that many times when you try to change, there are a whole circle of people who actually liked you better the old way. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of people are torn between that life and the life that's calling for them.
5: You know, you develop languages with people and you develop patterns of behavior, which is... I'm the dysfunctional one, you're the functional one, I'm the one in control, you're the one who's a little bit crazy, I'm always depressed, whatever it may be. And when you change that, all of a sudden their role in your life is put into question. Yeah. And they start having to question their own behavior, that's right, that's right. which a lot of people don't like to do when it's forced on them.
1: Glennon Doyle. You also say that every little girl is told at some point that the world does not want to see the ugly, afraid, secret version of who they really are. Oh, that's... Absolutely true. They just want to hear, I'm fine. Yeah, but the the other truth is that some people are desperate for it like they need air. Right. That
4: it's worth all the rejection you get when you're real. Because every time you tell the truth, it just you know, clears the field for other people to tell their truth. Okay. And then the truth gets bigger and bigger.
1: And is that, was the breakthrough the first time you went to a recovery meeting where you just went, oh wow, these are my people. Because I thought, oh, this is the way you can do life. Mm-hmm. You actually don't have to do
4: the shiny, perfect thing. You can get through life by showing up and saying, okay, actually is this hard and I need help. I need a higher power and I need you. And that's how we're going to get through this thing together. I mean, I, I wanted to cry at the end of the first recovery meeting when I figured out that you have to leave. You're going to send me back
0: Mm, in there, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know?
4: And so I just wanted to make my whole life into just a recovery meeting.
1: Tracy McMillan, what's the lesson that's taken you the longest to learn? Mm. I'd say the lesson that took me the longest to learn
0: is compassion, right? For myself because I think what I used to be very kind of hard on myself. I thought I was supposed to know things before it was possible to know them. The truth is, is that everything we're doing, that's our life's work.
1: My life's work is to learn how to love better. My life's work is to learn how to put light in places where it's dark. Cindy Crawford.
5: The idea of getting older is daunting and intimidating and not that fun, really. But recently I shifted to, I have the privilege of getting older. And I really like that because it's really easy to spin off into the negative, as opposed to, aren't we lucky that we're here, that we get to get older? And every time a negative thought comes up in my mind about like, oh my God, that wrinkle, or oh, my stomach doesn't look, you know, here I am like sucking it in for a photo shoot. I think it's a lot easier to see yourself getting older if you're happy in your life. And if you're doing meaningful work, and you are contributing to life in a way that makes you feel good about yourself.
1: John Bon Jovi. Any time that you think you've hit the top of the mountain, the truth of the matter is, is you just reached another
4: mountain and it's there to climb over again. Each step along the way is just a life's lesson and humility. And it gives you the ammunition to go on and be excited about
3: the next day. Joel Osteen. What follows that I am, we're inviting into our life. You say, I am, you know, tired, I am frustrated, I am lonely. I think you're inviting more of that in that. So the principle is to turn it around, invite what you want into your life.
1: Okay, so this is it. Whatever follows I am, will eventually find you. Yes. Those were your exact words yes. in the sermon, yes.
3: It's so important, it's just what you said. Even from the scripture, it says, let the weak say, I am strong. I think a lot of times we wanna say how I feel. You know what, I am lonely, I am tired. And you know, I think there's a there's a balance to it. And I don't think you're denying the facts. Otherwise, hey, well, I'm just hiding my head in the sand. It's not so much that, it's just not magnifying the negative. And like I talk about in the book, that I am a masterpiece. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am strong, I am talented. I think that is speaking to the core of what God's put in each one of us, that he has equipped us, he's empowered us, we have what we need to fulfill our destiny. But I do think that we have to bring it out. And you can't bring it out being against yourself.
1: I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast.
0: Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use
5: Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.
0: Life
4: is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
3: of a detour.